This is No Training Wheels, a show about the people, races, and teams that make the North American road scene so captivating and exciting. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Today's show is Like Fine Wine and features our interview with Christina Goki-Smith of Team Colavita. We go into a detailed discussion in the episode about the title of the show right at the outset, so I don't want to spoil the surprise for you now. But before we get into today's episode, I do want to take a moment to tell you about the Wide Angle Podium, the world's only collection of top-tier independent cycling content. Please take a look at the website, wideanglepodium.com, to find out about the other incredible programs on the network, or head on over to the YouTube channel to see some of the innovative videos we've been turning out these days. But while you're on the website, do please click on the donate button and help support this show and our other fellow independent content creators who are doing the hard work of bringing the sport of cycling right into your earbuds. And since we're talking about clicking, please do like, share, and subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts from. And if you really like what you hear, please leave us a review. It'll help others find the show, and we'd really appreciate it. Today's episode will be the last show under this title, No Training Wheels. In two weeks, you'll see a new logo and a new name, Criterium Nation. The evolution of this show from Mobber Radio to No Training Wheels and now to Criterium Nation is just a natural progression of things. For me, this was always where it was going to end up. Crit racing is my natural state. Now, that's not to say we aren't going to ever talk about road races or that I'm not personally going to sign up for Jefferson Cup or the Joe Martin stage race. But it's the cycling criterium community, that group of athletes who test the limits of vertigo and their own night vision while racing under the stars in our major cities. That's where our passion lies. But I do want to pause for a second and say thank you to all of you who've been around since the beginning nearly two years ago. And I want to say thank you especially to my dear friend, Kirsten Quackenbush, who first came up with the idea for the name No Training Wheels while we were in a Brooklyn pizzeria last winter. And to Zach Allison, who may not actually know this, but he did inspire the title, Criterium Nation. Now all that being said, let's get to chapter one with Christina Goki-Smith of Team Colavita, The Right Blend. My name is Christina Goki-Smith, and I am from Denton, Texas, and I ride for Team Calavita Pro Cycling. So, Christina, today's episode is called or titled Like Fine Wine, which kind of bears a little bit of explanation before we get into it. However, what it, what it distills down to, and that's a terrible pun, but what it distills down to is a story about racers like us, like you and I, veteran racers who've taken our fair share of turns around the course but they keep coming back again and again and again. I've been in this sport since 2001. You started mountain bike racing around the same time. And for both of us, Downers Grove was our first big race. And both of us crashed twice in Downers Grove. But why is it, do you think, that people like ourselves are so drawn to bikes and bike racing and we keep coming back to it. There's no, I mean, of course we don't do it for the money, right? When I started mountain biking, I didn't know really about the road even existed, to be honest. 
and it was get a road bike to get to be faster on the mountain bike. And and I would train and train and train and and, and back then the Norbas were held at ski resorts. And I live in Texas and I live in North Texas, which is flat terrain. So there's no climbing, no mountains. But I was undefeated here on the mountain bike and I was racing men to get prepared for the nationals. And and it was just demoralizing. I mean, I thought, what the heck, you know? I mean, maybe I, back then, I believe there was like 80 women racing. So they were large fields. And maybe I was finishing in the teens, not last, but, you know, certainly nowhere near, you know, where I wanted to be finishing. And uh, not that I expected to be up there, but, you know, when you, you locally, you start out and you start winning and you start doing really well. And I just thought, you know, I was better than that. And man, it was just, it, it, it took a lot more than I, I realized. And when I did my first criterium race, I thought, wow, I remember in doing Downers Grove. In fact, that was my, 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 <laughs> my big debut. And I remember sitting in the pack comfortably and basically kind of twiddling my thumbs and was like, wow, like I'm up here like sitting in top 10, you know, like this would never happen in the mountain bike ring, never. So, and yeah, it was, you know, pissing ass rain and it was, it was great. I, I, I crashed out both days, but I loved it. I mean, I was hooked. I loved it. The adrenaline, everything about it, being right there and yeah, and uh, do you want to know how I how I crashed? Yeah, go ahead. Because well, let me let me ask you this: Where on the course did you crash? It's a classic figure eight that has a pretty nice size hill, and if you get to the top of the hill, I used to work in that house doing chores and handyman stuff for one of the women who lived in that house. Yeah, she used to do my mom's nails, and she had a her husband who uh, was Native American. His name was Many Hats. So I have so many great memories of the Downers Grove race. But when I crashed, I always crashed in the bottom of the course. Where were you crashing? Well, the so the second to the last corner was that downhill. Do you remember? Oh yeah, right into the post office. Yeah, it was of course raining and. This was going into, I believe, they were they would be coming around the corner and then would see one to go. And they were lined up. And I believe it was Team Lipton at the time. <laughs> and they were on the on the outside. And I thought, well, look at this whole inside. It's completely wide open. And so I jumped to that inside and the girl that was on the very front as she was coming to the end, you know, as she went out and, and, and started to come back in, we like hit L, um, our shoulders, like we're rubbing together. And then we, both of us went down. I think I took out top 10 and she was so pissed at me. And of course she's like yelling at me and I'm like, you know, what do you do in that situation? You know, you, you were aggressive, you were going for the win and maybe you pushed it a little too far in the rain, you know, but. I, I did not, of course, you know, I didn't know any better. I mean, I had pretty much had went from, I mean, I cat it up pretty fast 
I think I did a weekend of races from a four and turned to a three. And then I started that, that year, that next year as a cat three and just dabbled in the road racing because I was still mountain biking. And then I was, as I did, I believe that Downers Grove, that was like around August. It was kind of at the end of the year. I was prepared mentally. Like I was told from everybody that, cause I'd never done a, um, a race at this level. And I was told that riders are going to spit at, spit on you, you know, push you over. I mean, all of these horrible things, you know, that I don't believe I've really experienced that, but I was prepared for it. And I think I kind of went in with this attitude was, I was like, you know, like nobody's going to like push me around, you know, um, that's for sure. And I kind of went in with that attitude. And so, I mean, of course it was my bad for sure on that move, but, um, but I loved it. You know, like I said, I got back up and of course there was no more free laps and that was it, but yeah, I loved it. And I knew that this, this is for me. This is what, this is what I'm, I'm made to do. And now it's a decade plus later. I'm going to commit a huge faux pas here, but you know, we, we talked about it. You never ask a woman her age, but it, it's critical to tell this story to say that you're not 21 years old. You're not 22 years old. You and I are both in our 40s and we're still bike racing with the kids. Yes, I am 46 um, years young. And I, um, yeah, age has never been, has never been at the, the front for it, you know, uh, for me. The weird thing is you've gotten better and better and better to the point where I now feel bad for Frankie Andreu, one of the announcers for USA Crits or, or, or Brad Son or anybody who does announcing because they've got to say your full name a lot. It's always Goki Smith, Goki Smith. It, you know, it's kind of like on the men's side when you talk about Spencer Movenzada. You know, there's just these riders in the field that have these these mouthful names. It's not like the Rob Kellys of the world who you can, you know, say it without even thinking. What do you, how do you attribute your continued success? What is it that you think that you're doing that allows you to keep getting better even though the numbers on the calendar keep getting bigger? Reflect on, on the past year. And I always am looking at, you know, ways to get better. Always. What can I add to my program this year? And, and that has always stuck with me. Like I, you know, what am I adding, you know, um, for this next year? You know, I haven't really thought about that, but to be honest, you know, I've always had, you know, it was never really a fitness issue with me. It was more of a decision-making issue with me. And as I look back, I have this, I don't know if I would call it like no fear, but I don't know what it is. I'm wired a certain way. And I don't know if, you know, most sprinters are are wired this way. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, as a sprinter, it's not just speed. It's not just, you know, who's fast. There's a lot that comes with it, right? You know, of positioning is so key and in in experience and making so many mistakes, (laughs) making every mistake, I feel like, um, you know, I can, I can reflect on that, but the biggest, the biggest change that I have made has been introducing meditation to my life, to be honest. And it's pretty much, it's helped in, in all different areas of my life that I feel like contribute to this. But 
now, I mean, I've always kind of been that rider of, you know, balls to the wall, just all out. Well, I think now I'm a, I'm a little bit more mindful. Not that I, not that I am not still that aggressive and fearless rider because I am. I think it's possible to have both where I think that you can be really gritty and and aggressive, but at the same time, I can be more, you know, more mindful of the situation. And I, I feel like that that's part of it. Um, and the other part too, I think is now when I'm in races, I almost can, I feel like I have this magic, this power that I know what's going to happen. I can tell you like what rider's about to attack, like in the moment. It's so weird. And so I, I think what that is, is just racing so long and you, you just start to really read the race, you know, and it's really being there in that moment. Today's show is brought to you by Watt Bike, the creators of The Atom, an indoor training bike that has revolutionized how top athletes in the world train to be their best. The Atom is the result of 20 years of development focused on getting the best out of the rider while giving the rider the most realistic feeling possible through innovative technology. And it's worked. Officially endorsed by British Cycling and chosen by the UCI for the use in its centers, it has been used by riders at both the Olympics and the World Championships. And now you can bring this tool home to your biker. Just think, no more lugging your dirty outdoor bike inside, removing wheels, or spending unnecessary time adjusting shifting. Now you can have a dedicated indoor setup capable of connecting to the leading racing and training apps, including Zwift. So head on over to wattbike.com US. That's W-A-T-T-B-I-K-E, all one word, dot com slash U-S, or click on the link in the show notes to find out more. There are a ton of mind over matter cliches in sport. Phrases like, it's 10% physical and 90% mental, or pain is just weakness leaving the body, or the ever-famous, shut up legs. However, those cliches aside, the mental aspect of bike racing cannot be overlooked. At the top levels of the sport, the physical and equipment differences are so small that it really does come down to being self-aware and confident. So in Chapter 2, Mindfulness, we talk about how Christina has brought meditation into her life and how it's helped her persevere through some devastating injuries and to ultimately excel. mindfulness talk about meditation talk about the the mental part of it i think it's something that's untapped by a lot of riders a lot of people myself included can't get out of their own head fast enough what was it 
in your experience that got you to say, hold on, let's slow down and look inside as opposed to all these files, charts, graphs? Have, I was having some health issues, actually, and I didn't know what was going on. Basically, I ended up going to a functional medicine doctor, and when I sat down with her, I remember the first time I sat down, she had looked at my charts, and we had taken all types of blood tests, and she wondered, well, what do you you know, do for your downtime. And I thought, what are you talking about? You know, I'm hurt. I'm great. I'm a coach. I know how to relax and recover. And I just really played it off. And she introduced me to uh, Pema Chodron, who is like a, a Buddhist nun. And in listening to her books kind of um, opened up the idea of meditation. So I started that, but let me back up a little bit here because the reasoning why I was going to a functional medicine doctor was because I was literally, while I was racing my bike, I would have these reactions that my whole face would swell up, my throat would swell up. And I thought at the time it was maybe food, it was food allergies, and I had gone to an allergist, and he didn't know what was going on. Uh, so this led me on a journey to explore, basically. And, and I'm still figuring it out. And, but I'm, it's not just from one thing. It's, you know, years and years. And as athletes, as we race, it's stressful enough. You know, you have, I mean, we all have stress. Stress is good, but too much of it is not good. So I was staying at a high stress level. You know, I would get stressed about traveling. And, and so, you know, packing a bike and, and, and flying and then and, and racing, which I love, but it's still stressful. You know, and then, of course, you know, you race at night late, and so then I'm eating late at night. So there's all of these things that are contributing to um, my, my, my cortisol levels and my adrenals. My adrenal glands were shot. My cortisol levels were super high. And, and so that led me to the functional medicine doctor. And once I started the, the meditation, I dabbled in it. And, and I thought, okay, this next year, I'm going to really work on my travel, you know, and I would have it all prepared out before I would, you know, have to, have to leave out of town. So I was trying to make it as, as pleasant as possible, basically, and really focusing on, you know, the thing that I love. I'm going to, you know, get to this location. I'm going to see my teammates and it's going to be great. We're going to have, you know, a great time. And I know that's going to make me happy instead of focusing on, you know, the travel. Oh, my flight got canceled or delayed and all of those stressful things. So, and, and it, and my inflammation issues would stay away as long as I could kind of keep it somewhat under, under control. And, and I was racing like this, by the way, too. I mean, I was um, at one race in particular. We were in, in 2016. We were in Canada. And I had to race with an EpiPen in my back pocket. And I had taken some type of high um, 
um, antihistamine that was a really strong antihistamine. So my swelling wouldn't um, go get too out of hand. And I remember thinking, gosh, I had to start the race because we only had four riders. And and so I had an EpiPen in my pocket and I was just remember thinking, gosh, I'm just, you know, if I take a Benadryl, like it knocks me out. So I'm not really good on taking any type of medication. And so even an antihistamine. So, I mean, this was part of my season. I mean, of just being like swollen and just had, didn't know really, you know, the doctor had my functional medicine doctor, you know, had run all these tests and, you know, and she was like, stay off these foods. And so then I was, my diet was like really restrictive. So it was horrible. This period of time in your life was not just one year, one month. This was a years long evolution of dealing with these stress problems from 2012, 2013, 2014. Yes, they would, they would come and go. And I have been, you know, like you said, I've, I've been racing like nonstop. This is what I do. Um, and I go from, <laughs> from road season, you know, maybe I take a little time off, I get on my mountain bike, you know, and then I race cross. And, and then I finish cross and, you know, maybe I take a little time again off and then I start racing again. So my body never had an opportunity to just stop, you know, and even when I would crash and that would be a trigger. So if I would crash, my body would have this reaction and would swell up. And then, so I would be dealing with these inflammation issues. Now, maybe a normal person would crash and be like, okay, you know, I'll probably just sit the, you know, sit this out, but not me. You know, I get back up and, you know, if I can't get, if, if, you know, like I crashed on a Friday night and I didn't, couldn't get back in because the laps were done, but I'm racing the next day, you know? So maybe it's not the smartest thing, but. When we talk about meditation, when we talk about mindfulness, you know, it's something that requires you to slow the world around you down. And, and for me, what I try to do is after I get done with a good training session or a group ride or whatever it happens to be, I take a dedicated period of 15 or 20 minutes after I get done with my ride where I just, I stretch. Absolute quiet. It's just me and one of my cats now because he's obsessed with the yoga mat that I use. And, you know, it's just, I'll turn the lights down low, I'll just quiet myself, but it's really hard to do, you know, because, like, life's super busy, I'm, I, have a, I have a job, I've got to get back to the office, or the virtual office, I, I've got to go here, I've got to do this, there's a, there's a dinner that we have to attend. How have you trained yourself to slow down when you feel these emotions kicking in? It's a practice. And with any practice, you have you have to you have to work at it. So with that in mind, I keep I have some mantras that I use or even the breath work that I will do just to calm myself and I will go through the breath work and then I'll be, you know, be okay. And and I practice of of course in in a quiet uh, room, but I can I can do my meditation anywhere, and it doesn't even have to be a quiet room. I can completely 
you know, I think they talk about some people, you know, take to the meditation pretty easily. And I, I find that I'm one of those people. Yeah, it, it's been it's been life changing for me. The meditation. Your company, CycleSmith Coaching, has been in existence for a good time now, and you've been racing and developing over a long period of time. Do you feel like your body has changed over time? Do you feel like you've slowed down? Do you feel like you have less fast twitch muscle? Have you learned how to compensate in races because of that? Or is it just no? I'm going to say no. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, throughout the years, you know, again, going back to every year, I try to think, okay, what can I, what can I, what can I add, you know, add to my program to make myself better? And the year that I, you know, I broke my back, I, I, really devoted my time and in, in <laughs> to getting myself back to where I was and I actually came back that next year having the best season of my life. So I I think you know we always question ourselves. We question, you know, gosh, you know, especially at 46 you might think, well, what am I still doing racing, right? So I think that we take these questions or we these doubts and then you measure them up to you know, what's important to us, what our goals are, what what our values are. And so that hasn't changed for me. And I, you know, like I said, I love this sport and I'm devoted towards it. And I'm, I have found a way to make a career out of it and I want to be the best at it. And, and I don't care. I mean, I don't care. My competition is 20 years old. You're right. I may not be the fastest, but it's not about who is the fastest. There is a lot more to it. And and I have that. I have, you know, to bring that to the table, you know, experience goes a long way. And so and of course, it you know, you need to you can't just sit there and talk about all of this. You have to do the work. And the work ethic that I have, I am giving it my my best effort every Every moment, you know, I, when I go out and I have intervals to do, you know, let's say if I have five intervals, I'm not looking at it all five. I'm, I'm doing the one interval. And during that one interval, is this, is this all I have? You know, like I'm trying to, to do my best in each moment. One of the things that I find funny is people talk about crit racing and they're like, crit racing is so dangerous. It's so out there. You know, everybody in crits crashes. And I've never seen statistics saying what type of bike racing is the most quote unquote dangerous. I mean, they all inherently have risk, but I have seen statistics about what type of activity, athletic activities are dangerous versus non-dangerous. And on the side, you engage in one of the riskiest activities in equestrian. My my mother-in-law has a full field of hunter jumpers and dressage horses. And, you know, I, I, I watch them train and I, I've watched them compete in different events. And I know that it's a long way down from the back of a 17 or 16 hand horse to the ground. You, you've learned the hard way. You've ridden the biggest, baddest, hardest horses. You know, that was who you were. But in 2010, 
you broke your back because you got tossed from your horse and you came back in 28 in 2019 you crashed at spartanburg and you broke your collarbone you broke a couple other bones and like your arm or your scapula I, i don't remember the full butcher's bill there but each time you've come back you've persevered you came back from spartanburg in eight weeks after your surgery, how do you persevere and get back out there and so quickly when others would just be like, you know what? I think I think a couple of rounds of bocce ball sound much better. <laughs> yeah. I think that you have to want it. That that's the bottom line. I mean, nothing will test you more than an injury. You know, I mean, right when, you know, when I came off the horse and, you know, will I, will I be afraid? You know, I don't know. What am I, you know? And so you, you, I get, get back on the horse and oh, there is no fear there. And, you know, I get, I get back on the bike and, and you have to test it out and, and, and see, because I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Right. And my first race back after Spartanburg was crit nationals. That was important to me. And I had to get permission from my doctor as he looked me in the eye and he said, you cannot go down. You know, if you, if you go down, I can't fix you. You know, he was not going to be able to put me back together. You know, it was going to have to be some other type of specialist. And then at the same time, which did not help that my husband looked at me and he said, you know, how, how many more years are you going to do this? You know, like he was like just testing, like, you know, like basically what was saying to me, are you crazy? You know, you're going to get back out there and race. And I was just like, stop it. I don't want to hear this. You know, like, no, I, I am determined. You know, that night that I crashed at Spartanburg, man, I was, I didn't want to take the pain meds because in my mind I was racing the next day, you know, of course, later I come to find out that no, I wasn't going to be able to. And of course I cried, but I was, I'm determined, you know, I, and you don't know when you, when you're injured, you don't know how you're going to feel and how, you know, you may want it, but then maybe you'll get back on the bike and there's some type of fear that developed. But for me, that wasn't the case at all. I wasn't quite as fit coming back eight weeks into a race. And I knew that, but for me to be there And as soon as that race began and I got up there, you know, I knew right away, oh yeah, I'm back. Mentally, I'm back. And I had, (laughs) I had a a hard race, you know, I think there was, there was a crash in, at that crit nationals right in front of me on an uphill and the, and I had to dodge a bike coming into my face and I was able to pull my foot out of my pedal and, and you know, to get my foot down to save a fall. And I had a chase and I had a chase back, you know, and so I do. And then I, I get back to the group and then there was an almost another, you know, crash. Everybody slammed on the brakes. And I was like, oh, that was pretty much all she wrote. You know, I didn't have another match in my legs. I think that was going into the final lap. But, you know, for me, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 I just, I love this and I'm determined to do it. And yeah, 
looking at the raw numbers, your pace hasn't decreased. You've been racing the same number of road races that you raced in 2019 for the last four or five years. And like you said earlier, you're out there racing cross and, you know, playing on the mountain bike and being physically active when it isn't road season. Look at your competition. Your top nemesis, nemeses, I guess is the right word, Olivia Ray is 21. Harriet Owen is 26. The Your top victims, like Madison Kelly, also an equestrian, uh, formerly, she's just starting medical school. Do you see a point in time in your life in the next five or 10 years where you say, you know what, no, I think I'm going to slow down, or are you literally trying to be the woman who inspires other women who aren't 25 years old or 26 years old to get physically active, to get out there and to not be afraid to put yourself in in the public limelight? Right. I, I hope so. I, I really do. You don't reach your full potential, you know, until what age? I, I don't know what that is. I haven't you know, I'm, I'm still figuring this out and I'm still learning. And I feel like as long as I'm still learning and, and I can keep a smile on my face, it's one thing if I'm out there and I'm not having fun. That's not the case at all. And of course, you know, we tend to have fun and love, you know, when we're good at something, we like, we typically like it, right? You know, and so I just, I want to be the best at it. And I want to be, I want to, I mean, I want to be the best at this and I want to to be able to guide others and to help others be the best at this. And and with that knowing that you don't have to be 20 years old, you know, to to reach the top. And I have, you know, what the 20-year-olds have, maybe they might have, you know, some you know, have some speed and have some strength that maybe I might lack in some areas. Sure. But I'm not wired to be afraid. And in age, I, I don't think of age at all. When I get out there and we're lined up, I mean, I'm just the same age as the, the rider next to me. It's not even a factor. So I don't think of that at all. And, and I hope that, you know, I can be someone that does inspire, um, encourages someone out there right now that, you know, maybe they're not 40, maybe they're in their 30s and they think already, oh, I'm, I'm too old. But, you know, it's women are a little bit different in the developing than men, I think, in, in sport in general. I think that women can go a bit longer. You know, as long as, you know, I keep moving and I keep, the, keep doing this, you know, that's all I have to measure, you know, year after year. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm taking time off, taking a year off and coming back to the sport. Not saying that you that cannot be done, but I think you know from the experience that I have that that helps. I mean, that's needed in in criterium racing, you know, especially in criterium racing. You know, we're not doing time trials here. We're not going off and you know riding long distance. I mean, we're talking about an hour and an hour and a half. You know, anybody can train for that, right? There is an incredible 
incredible virtual event currently ongoing that you really need to be a part of, Tough 20. This, of course, was supposed to be the inaugural edition of Mammoth Tough, a gravel event being put on by the Wide Angle Podium's very own Amanda Nauman and David Sheik. It was going to be out in California this fall in the Long Valley Caldera, a rugged terrain formed 760,000 years ago by volcanic eruptions in the area. In fact, Tuff, T-U-F-F, is the term for those very volcanic rocks. Well, the crew out there aren't going to let 2020 get them down. They've audibled and created an amazing choose-your-own-adventure-style virtual event with tons of ways to participate and some legit prizes too. Personally, I'm going for the most mileage competition because I know Tim Hayes from the Slow Ride podcast has the most elevation competition on lockdown with those Florida hills that he rides in. But also, I'm not overlooking the Takeout Titan category or the raffle itself. So head on over to mammothtuff.com and click on the link for the Tough 20 Challenge to learn more. Then go to bikereg.com to register for the event. 10% of all proceeds go to support Mammoth Lakes Recreation, a nonprofit that works to keep the area beautiful and accessible for all. And when you register, use the promo code TUFF10, T-U-F-F-10, at checkout so they know we sent you and so that you can save money on your registration. And don't forget to mark your calendars for the In Real Life event, September 18th, 2021. And now chapter three, team, team, team. The women of Cola Vida are the 2019 USA Crits team champs. But that team almost didn't exist as late as 2017. It was then that Christina and her longtime friend Tina Pick started rebuilding an organization that had almost faded out of existence. How they did that and what it means to them to have had the opportunity to do so? Well, that you need to hear from Christina herself. We recently put out a, a call for comments and direct messages in, in the community on Instagram about what is the best women's cycling criterium team, who are the best women crit racers, and the number of people who slid into our DMs saying, Christina Goki-Smith, Tina Pick, Cola Vita is, is awesome and inspiring. Before we talk about Cola Vita, the 2019 Women's USA Crits team champions, I want to talk about Tina Pick, you, and Pepper Palace. I loved Pepper Palace as a sponsor. I don't like hot sauce. I don't at all. I've never really, like, it just wasn't my jam. But because Pepper Palace sponsored your team and Julie Kalitza is just an awesome person, I went into the Pepper Palace store in the French Quarter in New Orleans and bought hot sauce for friends. Awesome. Awesome. But you and Tina pick from that era coming full circle to the present there. That's a dynamic duo. And I know that you guys are very good friends. What's it like racing and being teammates with, with Tina, with one of your best friends? 
Oh, it's it's awesome. I love Tina to death. And she's also my coach. She's great. It's so funny because <laughs> Tina gets so nervous. We're completely opposite when it comes to, you know, getting prepared for the race. Tina's really, really nervous. And she will say that. And I look at her, you know, I'm just as calm as whatever. I don't get nervous before a crit race. And I'm like, really, if you weren't nervous, then that's when I would be concerned because she's always nervous and she always pulls it off. Yeah. And she's really funny, but she's, she's amazing. And that's, you know, she is, inspires me, you know, I mean, she's older than I am. I think she's 54. I think to have someone that's older than I am <laughs> is pretty amazing that's out there and still like she is, she's the fastest one out there. No doubt. She is so flipping fast. And and the work ethic, you know, when we started on a team together and as, you know, you start looking at other riders and of course the younger generations and we just kind of feel like, the work ethic is just not the same. I don't know what it is, but you know, when she she'll tell you when she was trying to get on a team, she was like, I had to rent, win an NRC race before anyone would even look at me. You know, so it's just funny. And and that was, you know, my story. I just wanted to be on a team. And it was like, man, I'll do anything just to be on a team. And so years later, and she's, you know, still doing the work. Perseverance is kind of a thing for you, for Tina. Because in 2018, you got wind that Colavita might not continue on in its role in women's cycling. And Colavita has been probably the longest running women's sponsor of cycling that we can think of. So you and Tina basically came in there, convinced Colavita to keep on going and put together a roster from nothing. And what like walk us through 2018 and and how you go from nothing to a really pretty darn good team. I guess that was the end of 2017 and Tina and I had just come off of not so great of a team at the time and I was just I'm ready just to I'll just you know, ride by myself, ride for my Richardson Bike Mart local bike shop team. At that point, Calavita had announced they were pulling pulling out from, they were doing stage races. So I convinced Tina to call John at Calavita, you know, hey, let's, let's try to, let's see if they'll have a crit team. And so John had worked on getting some sponsors and that's when Bialetti came on board and we had, we had a we had our sponsors and everything, but we didn't have any riders. That process started in October. And typically, riders are signing contracts. Like, they're starting to look for new teams, like in July and August. By September, pretty much everybody has knows who they're riding for. Maybe October. But we didn't get, like, completely, like, the okay until, like, December, January time. We had a, a a camp we had to do in January because our sponsor had a, a show, a presentation of product, and they wanted to have a big billboard with the the Calavita team. And they thought we had you know six riders and full squad, and so which we did not. <laughs> so we had to improvise and <laughs> and make some phone calls. And put together some riders for some photos, basically. 
But anyway, from that point, we ha- we wanted to try riders out. So, you know, I wish that all teams would do this because I think it's pretty cool, you know, like let riders try out, right, for a, a team, you know, instead of it being political or who you know. And so we did just that. We had tons of resumes come in. And as as you may know, there I'm sure it's like this in the men's field, but I mean, there's a dozen of riders that want to be on a team, right? And so we just kind of, you know, I was researching results and looking, you know, just trying to find riders. And so we had some that we brought out to start that season out. We did Sunny King. And that year in 2018, it was cold and it was raining. And so it wasn't really a good fair assessment of those riders. So we thought, okay, we'll bring you guys to speed week. And so a few of those riders didn't really quite make the list. So I believe that year I was home doing the Texas state criterium championship race. And that's when I found Jolene at, she was uh, living in Texas and racing and she was just um, raced really well. She, I could tell that, you know, I, I think she has it. Of course, you never know. I mean, somebody could have the numbers and they can race very well, but you bring them onto, you know, the pro stage and with the chaos and everything that's going on, they're not always going to be there at the end. And that's, that's pretty much usually what we, we find. Well, when we brought Jolene out, we brought her onto Wilmington and it was there again, we've got a, a race and it was raining and she was doing pretty good. And I thought, hmm, okay. And then she went down in a corner and I thought, oh, well, oh, well, that was nice having her for a little bit. Sure enough, she comes back in. She gets back to the front. She closes down. I mean, closes down a, a big gap from a rider being off the front. I mean, she was amazing. I was like, oh, my gosh, you, you've got you've to join us. So we brought Jolene on from that point. And then after that, it was – uh, Laurel, who had reached out to us, and she wanted to guest ride for us at Tulsa. You know, we didn't know what that was going to be like. Tina and I had ridden with Laurel on Papa John, so we had um, a history there. So she came out and raced with us at Tulsa, and and she raced great. And so we were like, "Hey, <laughs> come on, join join the join the team." So I mean, we just kind of put it together like that, and it was. The team was wonderful. I mean, we all got along. We had so much fun. And that's important. I think that, you know, you're going to spend, you spend a small portion of your time on the bike racing. You spend a lot more of your time off the bike, traveling together, training. And that's so important. So we really, we were like sisters. We all really just got along really well. And so I think that um, that really helped, you know, when you have, you have respect and you and trust in your teammates means a lot. And so you go from not having a team in December, basically, to being second place team overall in 2018 to redoing the whole thing again in 2019 and walking away with the team title in 2019 for USA Crits over a very strong Hoggins-Berman Supermint. What does it mean to you, somebody who's valued team and teammanship and having teammates, to have that title, to be the now two-year defending champion of USA Crits since there's not going to be a 28-20 season? You know, like, 
How important was it to you to be team champ? Oh gosh, man that that meant that meant everything. You know, we started out that year with so we had you know we built that team in 2018 and and we wanted to keep that team going into 2019. We added Yasili to our roster in 2019, and and so. Basically, we had a camp and the year before we didn't. So we just, you know, put it together, slapped it together and made it work for 2018. And we did pretty well. And in 2019, we're like, wow, all right, we're going to keep this squad. We're going to work together and have a training camp. And, and, and of course, I'm wanting to be fitter and faster and better. And we're all on the same page. And Tina breaks her collarbone training with the college kids before the season begins. We had Birmingham, I believe, was the first preseason race opener. And Tina basically directed the team. And 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 I was feeling great, like really, really well. And I think, you know, we started off great. So our goals, you know, we wanted to we wanted to win everything. <laughs> we wanted to win everything. I'm gonna be honest. We wanted to win it all. We wanted because we knew we could. You know, we could win the orange uh, jersey, the overall. We wanted to win the team overall. We wanted to win the young jerseys award, which the year before we were, I believe, second or third in the young jersey. And Tina and I had finished second and third in the overall, and then we'd finished second in the team. So we were pretty confident going in 2019 for sure. And, and I mean, I won the the field sprint, um, Emily Flynn from LA Sweat got off, I believe, on took a flyer on that race. So, I mean, we were pretty confident. Yeah, we had all the tools to to win. And so when I crashed and that I was out, and Tina quite didn't have her confidence quite up. And she was still coming back from that injury. And all the riders, you know, were doing their best. And so we had great finishes. So things changed a little bit. We just had to, you know, a- adapt, you know, all right. So maybe we're not going to, you know, wait for the end. Maybe let's try to get, you know, riders off. Um, and each race tactically planned out. And as I came back, you know, of course, I just wanted to help the riders, you know, so helping Natalia Franco, who ended up winning that um, young jersey um, for the year. For me, just to be back out there racing meant everything, you know, even though, all right, I'm I'm not going to, I knew I wasn't going to finish super well right off the back coming back. So being there for the team and trying to get each, every point that we possibly could, it just meant everything, you know, and, and especially, you know, it's always hard getting sponsors and you think, gosh, you know, we have to, we have to pull it off. We have to, you know, do well. So then we have something to show. And that's just, I think in, in our nature, in riders, you know, we've just, we want to represent our sponsors well, and, you know, we want to keep that, that tradition, you know, Call of Vida has a, a great, you know, a great tradition of having great riders and, and so I think that we just really wanted to, we wanted to win it. How important is it to you that USA Crits, one, exists, and two, that it has this team competition? Because we've talked to so many people on the show, and, you know, they're, they're very excited for their own accomplishments. But everybody talks about how in Criterium Racing, 
it is such a team thing. No one person can win. Everybody wins because of the men and women who are there with them chasing down breaks, you know, setting people up in the right corner, countering, you know, like, so how important is USA Crits and the team competition to you? Well, of course, uh, it's important to me because it's the only um, Criterion series that has been live streamed. And I think that for in order for the sport to grow, it has to be it has to be out there for everybody to see. You know, and that's been a big problem without having things on TV. Man, I mean, you can make money racing crits. And of course, not just for the money, but, you know, we're performers, right? And we want to put on a good show. If we're putting on a good show, it's going to, the spectators are going to love it. You know, and that's where we want that enthusiasm to come from, right? And we want more people to watch it. And I think that's what USA crits you know, provides for us. They provide this platform for us to, you know, get out there and do the thing that we do. And nobody else is doing that. So I think that's that's huge. You know, it's a way that most of the women in the Peloton, they, we all have jobs of some form. We have a job. So being able to race a criterion is very doable instead of, you know, as opposed to stage racing, right? Where you have to have, you have, there's a lot of training involved for stage racing and there's no money in stage racing and the logistics and how much it costs to put on the race and for a team to go to a stage race. It's ridiculous. And a criterium race, super easy. You know, if you want to go right now, you pack your bike up and just, you know, travel to the race and there's typically neutral support mechanics. So, and one of the things that I love about it is you meet these riders, you know, on the road and it's a community, you know, we're this big family of, of racers and, and I miss them. You know, that's one of the things that I do miss is I miss seeing, you know, the, my competition, you know, because really they're all friends. I, I miss that part of it for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's huge. They've done a, um, they've done a great deal for, for women's cycling. What about the team competition aspect of that? Yes, I, I think the team aspect of it is great because cycling is not can, is not an individual sport. Well, not in criterion racing, not in road racing. You know, it, it can be that way in mountain biking and cyclocross, but it, it's such a team effort. And I'll tell you, I feel like like my biggest win didn't even come from me. You know, so my biggest win came from Tina, me leading her out for that, and and you feel that. You know, and so it's it, man. It's um, it, it's really cool, and to to be part of that, um, that be part of that win, be part of, you know, that experience together, and know that you know each rider contributes, right? And 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 so you know maybe you have a plan, but it's rarely does it ever go to plan, right? You know, we all have to kind of improvise and we just know what to do, know where to be, right? And so you gain a little bit extra cohesiveness when the more time we race together or spend together. So um, it means everything, the team. So I think, you know, that's huge because otherwise, you know, if it was just based on the individual, meaning they were only crediting or awarding, you know, the, the overall victory of who wins, 
it's not that the riders wouldn't be uh, involved to help that make that win happen, but to have it be a team aspect, I don't know. At at the end of the season when we won, you know, the we played the song, you know, we are the champions. I mean, it's just, you just, I don't know. It's like being part of this, we all did it, you know. We all contributed to at some level to this and made this happen and to – recognize each individual on that team is huge and that's how it should be everybody should be recognized not just the one that crossed the finish line first christina gokey smith thank you so much for for being on the show and we look forward to seeing you out on the real road again in 2021 hopefully oh thank you so much for this opportunity it was really a lot of fun Thanks for joining us on another episode of No Training Wheels, a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Today's show was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. Please visit us on Facebook or Instagram at No Training Wheels Pod. And your home for the best in North American road racing is always NoTrainingWheelsPod.com. Join us next time for more stories from our Criterium Nation. Searching for the stories outside of cycling, but still inside cycling? The Gravelot is a weekly interview series where we talk about our shared experiences in the cycling community and talk with people that we think you guys might be interested in. Absolutely. And the Gravelot is actually not always about gravel, but it is the place that is your local trailhead. It could be the meetup parking lot where you meet your friends. Or the post-ride watering hole. It's really the place where you sit down, share your stories, and talk about life. Yeah, and dive into the things that really matter to you on two wheels or beyond. The Gravelot has brand new episodes every single Thursday morning, along with a bi-weekly editorial column every other Tuesday. So check out the show, check out the beeline, and join the conversation and find out all you need to know about The Gravelot at thegravelot.com.